You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and 10, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to the Out of Structure podcast with Matt Stagner and Ron Cobb Jr. on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Today, we're going to look back quickly at episode one of the Chiefs regular season story where we open on a team that just went through an offseason to change. They lost one of their best players. No one respects them or believes in them. Uh, And they come out firing and really start to show the vision all along. Um, The confidence, the, the, the upward trajectory of this team, I think, was evident from the jump. Uh, and so as this season story unfolds, episode one, off to a good start. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, you said it. You know, opening chapter of the book, uh, looking pretty good so far. Uh, you know, actually, that was something I, I wrote about uh, for Arrowhead Pride in the post game was, was you know, something that you, you just mentioned, all the doubters that the, the team maybe faced going into the season. The guys in the in the locker room were pretty confident in what they had. All all the way back to the the workouts in Texas with Mahomes, they they gave you know uh, Edward Solaire and Kelsey both gave that credit for for the, the the team's performance in Week One. So, you know, we we didn't know what maybe it would look like, but the team sure did, and they were they they weren't really surprised about that forty four twenty one shellacking of the Cardinals in Week One. So, the big test is coming up, Stags. Now it's it's a big week. Absolutely. In retrospect, maybe we should have predicted this more i think a lot of us did pick uh the chiefs to win this game and by double digits but all the signs sort of lined up nothing that happened was very surprising uh they did exactly what we thought they were going to do for the most part it just all worked and and so uh that that was great to see in the opening uh the opening chapter of this season story like you said the real test starts this week against the Chargers. And so what we'll do with this podcast is we'll take the first half. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the Chiefs versus the Cardinals and take some of your questions right off the bat. And then we'll come back in the second half and we'll look a little bit forward because this is a short week. we got to have a quick turnaround. We're going to turn this thing around uh, in the middle of our podcast and start looking towards the Chargers game because uh, by the time you listen to this, there's going to be a day and a half uh, or less probably before they, the Chiefs face the the San, the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers at home, oh, uh, and uh, it's gonna be uh, uh, it's it's gonna be fun. Man, I, I I thought we were past the San Diego slip ups. I uh, we, we're, we're never not, we're not past those yet. 
Yeah, it's still um, the Oakland Raiders and the San Diego Chargers, right? It's yeah. um, it's it's just one of those things that's not going to totally go away with the you know with Washington being the other team that you have to be careful on. So <laughs> uh, let's start off, Ron, with some of your on-field analysis. Uh, you you've done a Mahomes film review already, and I know you looked at the defense some as well. So tell us uh, what you saw in Chiefs Chargers or Chiefs uh, Cardinals, excuse me. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's definitely one of those games you, you kind of, you look back at, you know, immediately and think, okay, that, that is one of Mahomes' most impressive performances, one of his best games. Um, you know, we all knew it, you know, look, watching the game, you know, live, but, but man, uh, you know, just what he did, the box score filled up, obviously 30 of 39 passing, 364 passing yards, five touchdowns, didn't get sacked once, didn't have a turnover. Um, had one turnover-worthy throw that you know uh, maybe wasn't the greatest throw. Gray played Noah Gray played some good defense on it, but man, Stags. It, it, I hope the people were listening to us last week when when maybe we we threw out that those MVP odds for Mahomes because they're, they're not as good anymore. I'm telling you that much. Um, it was a dominant performance, and 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 honestly, the 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 thing that stood out to me the most, and probably to everyone listening, was how confident he was. Man, how you could almost call it cockiness, right? I mean, he was just he was the way he was slinging the ball. Some of the throws he was making against free rushers, against the blitz. Now, that was one thing that the Cardinals maybe, you know, regret now looking back at the game is maybe we shouldn't have blitzed Mahomes on 24 of his 41 dropbacks and, and, and made that easier on him. It was actually the most, um, the highest percentage of attempts or dropbacks he's ever seen in his career with, with blitzes. And he actually led the NFL in dropbacks against the blitz in week one. So, it, they did think make things easy on him, but but either way, man, when you're seeing those free rushers, when you're seeing guys bear down on you in week one with new faces in the receiving core, right? You know, guys are not maybe as comfortable with right away. Mahomes acted like you know he he knew exactly where those new guys were going to be. Although a lot of it was Travis Kelsey, right? I, you know that is the point. It's Kelsey was maybe his go-to against the blitz still, but man, you know, Stags, that that was my main impression was just how confident he was, how loose he was playing, how calm he was in the pocket, even while the blitz was coming down on him. His 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 throwing motion, his delivery was all just so calm, smooth, you know, not hurried, not rushed at all. For a week one game, again, with all these new faces, all the things that, you know, could be maybe, you know, making him a little more hesitant to be as confident right away. He looked like he, he was picking up right where, you know, maybe not where he left off in the AFC Championship, but in terms of being an MVP candidate, man, it, it, it's it's there, and and he showed out this game. So I, I was really impressed with what Mahomes did. Yeah, somehow the Cardinals did not get that memo that you do not blitz Patrick Mahomes. That seems to be uh, it seems to be well known by almost everybody else. As we were talking this through, I, I think maybe that was they felt like it was out of necessity on the right. Cardinals side. Their defensive uh, line being banged up with with JJ Watt not being with them. Uh, I feel like. They, they really did try to bring pressure from, from elsewhere, knowing that they were not going to get home with their front, uh, their front four. But it really didn't work out for them. And, and I think we saw a glimpse uh, of what, yeah, again, what Patrick Mahomes has been talking about is we're going to spread the ball around. He targeted 10 different receivers. Nine of those had a completion. Uh, that was a, you know, that's what they talked about all offseason doing, and that's what they did. You're right. Travis Kelsey is still the man. That was a, a, another just masterful performance by Travis Kelsey. Um, but they also really looked to Juju Smith-Schuster in high leverage situations as well. And I think he's really established himself as that number one wide receiver. 
Uh, you know, Kelsey had nine targets. Uh, Juju had eight. So yeah. it, it's not like he was any less involved. Um, his catches were a little bit uh, more underneath, right? And, and But, you know, he still had a 20-yard uh, reception and, and averaged 13.2 a catch. So not, you know, not too much dink and dunk for, for Juju. And so I think he, he certainly looks like a very trusted receiver as well. Yeah, no, you're right. And and that, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I don't think teams in the future, I, I think as we get along the schedule, I don't think teams are going to make it as easy, in, uh, you know, with Mahomes and Kelsey. You know, they the Cardinals really trusted, you know, linebacker, linebacker Isaiah Simmons to cover him pretty much one-on-one, uh, you know, in, in crucial spots. And How'd, how'd that work out? <laughs> Not very good for the hometown kid. I was joking on Twitter. I'm just glad they didn't do this at Arrowhead because, you know, Isaiah Simmons, the Olathe North product, the guy from around here, would have been a pretty ugly homecoming for him to for that to happen at home. But no, I I I I do think the Cardinals made it a lot easier than the, than they could have on on the Kelsey connection. I think teams like the Chargers coming up, you know, a team that's not going to blitz as much, um, you know, other defenses as well. I think you're going to see maybe a little tougher time with the Mahomes Kelsey connection, and and I think it's going to test these these new guys, you know, the Valdez Stantlings, the Juju Smith Schusters, the Sky Moores. Even more, and, and all three of them really passed the test, even if it was limited, you know, opportunities, uh, the, the latter two. You already mentioned Juju, but, you know, even Sky Moore on that one play, you know, got got slipped, you know, got loose on a Mahomes scramble for a 30-yard gain. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I think the new faces are going to have to, you know, don't get used to Kelsey being able to, to do all that because I really think defenses are going to make it hard. You bet. And that's a good point about Sky Moore uh, and Jody Fortson. Each only yeah. had one target, but they certainly made the most of them. Fortson with that uh, fantastic touchdown uh, play that I don't know how Mahomes knew to throw the ball where he threw it and how he executed on that play, but that was a, a thing of beauty. And then Sky Moore taking that reception and somehow knifing through the defense for 30 yards in, in a way that uh, uh, showed some good balance and and, uh, and just aggression that he is just not going to go down. So. Those, those two guys, even though it's a very limited sample size so far, have shown that they can be part of this offense and that they, they can be weapons. And I think they're just going to continue to, to use them more and more as the season goes on, as they integrate them into the offense. And, and maybe as they feel like they need to, to uh, mix things up a little bit more against the Cardinals, this offense can do whatever they wanted. Everything worked except for the the MVS uh, end around. Everything else worked. They could run the ball. They could pass the ball. They could throw it to whoever they wanted to. And so there probably came a point where Andy Reid was like, you know what? We've shown enough uh, this week. But in the future, they're going to need Sky Moore. They're going to need Jody Fortson. They're going to need Justin Watson. And and those guys, uh, at least two of the three, really showed out in the very, very limited sample size we had this week. It just gives you hope that they're going to be there when they're needed. Yeah, well, you mentioned everything working out for the offense. Uh, you know, the, the other the other times it maybe didn't was when Mahomes targeted McColl deep, uh, you know, a couple times he looked McColl's way. And, you know, it, it's kind of a hot topic on Twitter, uh, you know, whether or not we want to blame McColl for both of those or whether we want to, you know, say, hey, Mahomes just overthrew him. Um, Stag, you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we got a little heat this week with our winners and losers article. And, and Hardman was one of them that a lot of people said, hey, this is not the week for him to be in the losers column because, you know, he scored a touchdown and, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, Hardman had three catches for 16 yards and a touchdown on six targets. So 
you know, there were three misconnections there. And at least one of them, I distinctively saw Mahomes doing this, which is great for all you listeners at home, but he was doing the, uh, the keep running motion, you know, yeah. the, the keep going motion where he, it, we've seen that in the past. That's been a thing with, with Hardman and Mahomes. Um, and so I, I don't think that that was a simple, oops, I overthrew the ball. Right. Uh, that was very clearly Mahomes saying, get to where you're supposed to be and, and the ball would be there. So, uh, you know, not to, not a terrible game by my McCall Hardman by any means, but if you're looking for things that weren't on that elite level this week, McCall Hardman's play was one of those things, both on offense and on punt returns, which I thought was a really interesting thing. They've been listing McCall Hardman as the starting punt returner uh, coming into the season. He had one attempt for three yards, and then Sky Moore took over and was much, much more successful. So you got to watch that going forward, and there's a really good chance, I think, that you continue to see more of Sky Moore uh, on, on punt returns. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that is interesting. Um, and, I, and I like that they're getting Sky more, more touches, right? It's just, you know, hey, if he's not going to get it on offense, at least let him get the ball in his hands on, on punt return. Um, let him maybe break a play loose. But real quick on the defensive on-field analysis, I do want to point out just something that I uh, – one of my main takeaways was how much they're going to be trusting maybe these two linebacker sets, these nickel formations this year over the dime uh, formation, which, you know, I, we've talked about it plenty on here. You know, we, we write about it on the, on the site, but you know, Spagnuolo loves to use his dime defense, which is three safeties, one linebacker on the field. You know, in the past, obviously that's been Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman coming on the field. And this year, you know, the dime features uh, guys like rookie Bryant's uh, cook coming on the field. And then uh, uh, Nick Bolton, maybe, or being that one linebacker. And that's usually what he defaults to on third downs, you know, anything, you know, more than like third and three or more, or even in those shorter yard situations. But, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, during the game, they really liked the, they, they stuck to the nickel stuff, you know, even in those third and longer situations, maybe, you know, having Gay on the field, keeping him on the field with Bolton rather than, you know, bringing Cook on and, and pushing Gay off the field. I think that's a good idea, Stags, honestly, because I think that's their best 11 players is when they have Willie Gay, Nick Bolton on the field together. I think they need to try to keep that defense on as much as possible, and and I think they have the chance to do it because when the, when you're against a uh, you know maybe a, a pass offense or a pass uh, play, I should say, you know, Gay and Bolton both have you know the athleticism to, to cover some ground, and, and you know just as much as maybe a Brian Cook does as, as a safety, you know, coming into the box. But then at the same time, you go against maybe a team with heavier personnel. I really think you could stay in that nickel you know, not go to base. And then Ojeria Sneed is maybe your default outside linebacker as that slot uh, cornerback coming in to the box against a heavier, you know, set on offense. So all that to say, I really think they could, they could do, a, you know, they could help the defense a lot by keeping their best 11 players on the field. And that means staying in their nickel, not defaulting to the dime as much. And, and that's something where, you know, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton both, you know, made some plays uh, on the field week one. And, and, and I think that's, that should be the way going forward, both of them being on the field uh, for most of the time. It's hard to argue with that. I thought Nick Bolton was phenomenal in his in his debut this season, really picked up where he left off last year, but seemed to improve upon some of the things that we thought were limitations of his. He's feels like he's moving faster in space. Yeah. Um, he certainly has a good eye uh, and good instincts for, for what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, had a tackle for loss, 10 tackles uh, total. Uh, puts him right on pace to lead the league in tackles like we were – talking about in some of the prop bets, uh, Nick Bolton really, really 
was one of the shining stars of, of, of the of week one on the defense. Um, and yeah, I think that package just just seems to work at least at least against the Cardinals. We'll see how it is match up uh, how they match up going forward depending on the game plan. But uh, the defense played well, and they there was a lot of drives where there just was nothing working for the Cardinals. And and uh, again, that's a banged up offense, and and they weren't at full strength. But you have to take uh, you know progress where you see it, and I think the uh, the defense. As young as they are, I mean, with you know three or four guys playing on that defense uh, that are that are rookies, you know, you really didn't see a step back. You didn't see a lot of mistakes, and and uh, I think that you know it's a great lead in to to our first question from Jake Wilson at Jake for now. The Chief Squad performance, which was more impressive, the rookies or the running backs? Yeah. I, it's it's a lot more rookies to, to pick from on that, so maybe a little bit of a, a imbalanced question there. Uh, no, uh, let, let's 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 talk about uh, you know the rookies because I was impressed uh, you know with, with what we saw from George Karloftis. Um, you know maybe not you know he he didn't rack up the box score or anything, but you know that I I, I kind of warned everyone going into the game maybe that the defensive ends were going to have maybe a, a you know a less desirable role against Kyler Murray. Right, you're going to be playing a lot of contain rushing not necessarily getting after him, trying to get hits, but more just keeping him in the pocket, letting a guy like Chris Jones clean it up uh, from the middle, which which did happen, obviously. So, you know, I think Karloftis showed some good things. You know, Jalen Watson, you know, shout out him. You know, the seventh-round pick coming in uh, when when McDuffie, uh, you know, went out with the, the quick injury, uh, you know, him coming in and, and, and uh, making a pass breakup on his first target, you know, downfield against a veteran like A.J. Green. You know, that was impressive as well. Uh, you know, we didn't see much from Leo Chanel or anything, but um, I don't know. I, I, I definitely think I definitely think, uh, you know, the, the rookies, uh, you know, they, they made a, a solid impression. A guy like Trent McDuffie, you didn't hear much about. And that was the same in the preseason. Right. I think that show, uh, I think that tells you a little something about how he's doing and how quarterbacks maybe, uh, you know, aren't maybe tempting or you know testing him right away. He's doing pretty good in coverage. So, yeah, I, I, we got to talk about the running backs, too. But I want to give credit to the rookies. I think they, they had a pretty solid week one. Yeah, McDuffie, especially I saw in in some, you know, as, as people are starting to get their game reviews in now that the the it's been a little bit since the actual game happened. Uh, McDuffie in his limited snaps was was pretty much shut down. There was really not um, he didn't really give up anything uh, when, when it comes to receiving, and I think that's a that's a really good sign of his development. Hopefully, that hamstring injury doesn't keep him out too long. So I was certainly encouraged by him. Uh, I thought Isaiah Pacheco, uh, you were talking about a rookie and a running back. Uh, he certainly showed out and helping close this game out. And so you've got those guys. Sky Moore on the one catch was was phenomenal. Um, and then, yeah, the, those defensive players, I thought the corners uh, showed up uh, pretty well. I didn't see a whole lot from Brian Cook. But, again, I think that was just matchup dependent uh, for him. So, you know, definitely uh, a good start from the rookies. Um, when it comes to the running backs, though, like I said before, I feel like they could have done whatever they wanted to. Each of the three running backs ran, uh, averaged over five yards a carry. Uh, they they put together about 125 yards between the three of them, which is a, a pretty solid day on the ground. You had Pacheco with the with the lone rushing touchdown, but Edward Delaire with those two short passing touchdowns, you can count that, uh, you know, as rushing. So these guys were were active on the day, uh, all three of them. Uh, did some good things and and uh, uh, made some big plays. Each of them had a, a run of 18 yards or more. 
so that's showing that they're not only grinding out those short plays, but they're they're getting loose in the secondary. And you saw that the tight ends, you know, Kelsey, Fortson, and Gray as well, were, were really blocking downfield yeah. for these guys and really uh, springing some of these longer runs. So, you know, definitely they can't do it on their own, um, but they had everything working and all three running backs look good. Yeah, you know, shout out Clyde. I, I think that was, that was a really good uh, initial impression for the season for him. You know, a lot of people wanting to you know maybe doubt what he's going to do this year. Um, you know, not only as a runner, right? We saw him, uh, you know, in the receiving game a couple times, you know, scored those two touchdowns. One of them more of a, a shovel pass, you know, a, a kind of a, a unique formation to get him the ball. But um, I, I, yeah, I, I do think, you know, I pointed to that on Twitter, but I think last year, you know, a lot of times, you know, we just didn't see Clyde get the ball in his hands in the passing game. Just because he wasn't the guy for third downs, right? They really trusted Daryl in those situations. And you saw already how just by simply being on the field more for those passing downs, he's going to naturally get more opportunity to, to uh, you know, get more production. And, and that's what we saw. You know, he turned a couple passes. That one dump off went and, you know, turned it into a 20-plus yard run or a gain. And then obviously the fourth and two on the goal line uh, was a touchdown, you know, dump off to him. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's, it's a, a, a sign of what's to come in terms of, Edward Solaire's production is going to go up this year, just naturally, you know, not having a guy taking snaps from him on the passing downs. Yeah, that 25-yard catch and run was what I was about to talk about because, it, you know, the, the two touchdowns were impressive. Uh, play design, right. you know, he, he got loose, you know, did, did what he was supposed to do. But on that 25-yard catch and run um, was really nicely set up. Uh, he comes in and chips – uh, gets a good solid chip to to uh, to give Mahomes time, uh, leaked out, and then I uh, used his blocker downfield and and finished that run. So you know that that's just a, a really good sign, I think, of things to come. So of the two rookies versus running backs, I'm going to go running backs this week just because I think they had more impact. Uh, but there's certainly a lot to be uh, about with the rookies as well. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think the running backs probably deserve it. But, you know, I just wanted to shout out the rookies. But, yeah, I think, you're, yeah. I think I'm with you on the backs. How about Casey's, Casey Rogers' question here? Do you think Andy allowed the offense to continue scoring just so that he could have the opportunity to pull the starters for the short week? Uh, you know, I do think there's something to that, right? I do think there's something to Coach Reed and the staff going into this game thinking, hey, you know, it's a short week. You know, let's let's try to, you know, uh, get up on, you know, let's use the script, you know, the opening script to get up a few touchdowns maybe and then and then try to coast. And, you know, that pretty much worked out. Right. It was thirty seven seven, you know, midway through the third quarter, pretty much. And, and they were able to call off the dogs. So, you know, I you know, they you know, you, you plan for that. It, you never think it's actually going to happen. Maybe if you're a coach, but it, it sure worked out this time. And it, and it and it really does matter. I think it's a really important thing, uh, you know, with a short week uh, coming up. I mean, the, the other half of the question here was, or is it just the flawless scoring machine that's going to do its thing week in, week out? I like the wording on that from Casey. They look like a flawless scoring machine in week one. It didn't seem like they were ever going to be stopped. And, and again, everything seemed to work out for them. So um, it'd be nice if the offense continues like this week in and week out. I would, I would assume that there's going to be ups and downs, that there's going to be tougher defenses and, and more challenges. Uh, to come and, and again, maybe here in the next couple of days we'll see some of that. But uh, certainly uh, worked out well in game to get uh, the starters a little extra rest uh, and, and really just have you know more of a stress-free opening day. Whether it's 
uh, resting or just getting up and not having to not having to fight through an overtime game like uh, a lot of the rest of the the league did in, in week yeah. one. Yeah, well, it kind of leads into Patrick Mahomes' zones question at Mahomes' zone fifteen. Uh, you know, because you say stress free, but we did have a few injuries, and and he asks, <clears throat> will the injuries that the Chiefs had yesterday affect Thursday's game? Um, yeah, Stags, we saw Harrison Bucker get a little banged up, although he pulled through and, and, and made an impressive 54-yard field goal, even though his, his plant was good. Yeah. He had to fill in the rest of the game at right guard. Uh, we even saw, uh, you know, I mentioned McDuffie earlier. We saw Trent, uh, or excuse me, Justin Watson leave the game late uh, with a chest injury, I, I, I believe was the, the designation. So, yeah, no, it, it, the injuries definitely weren't something to be super excited to see out of, out of week one on a short week. But uh, I don't know. How are you feeling how they will impact the game on Thursday? What are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, based on on that list of injuries, and I think, you know, Willie Gay was banged up a little bit. Uh, I think, that, to me, the most concerning one, other than Mahomes, obviously, you never want to see anything happen to Mahomes. Yeah. He's going to play through that left hand. It's, it's, it doesn't appear like that's going to stop him or slow him down at all. But – Trent McDuffie was the one that went out with a hamstring early, uh, immediately ruled out and did not practice, uh, you know, when, when the team got back to work on day. So that would be one that I'd concerned about. I think Smith as well. But you've got apparently a pretty stack up in, in uh, the line there. So there's not as much concern about Smith. Uh, McDuffie. Is maybe the biggest name on that list, uh, but yeah, when you turn around, it's going to be tough. And, and uh, kicker bang, you saw that they signed a kicker to the practice squad. Uh, Matt Ambla, uh, apparently a six-way battle uh, for the practice squad job there. So yeah. Yeah, keep an eye on that. I mean, we don't know uh, that that Buck really this time because. Uh, it probably won't be Justin Reed this week. Yeah, right. Uh, well, and and you mentioned the the you know the Trey Smith injury and having a, a you know a deeper offensive line. That's why it's nice to have a guy like Nick Allegretti, man, someone that started for this team for an extended period of time. You know, it wasn't at right guard, right, which is what he needs to fill in for <clears throat> if Trey Smith continues to be out. But uh, you know, he, he's played guard for the Chiefs, uh, you know, for an extended period of time. Um, it's great to have that kind of guy in there, and 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 it makes you feel better about maybe. You know, if Trey can't go for on a short week, you know, hey, let him let him get all the way healed up for the for the long run this season, and and you can trust Allegretti to give you some quality snaps uh, in there. Well, we've got one more question, maybe before we get to break. Uh, this is from I'm I'm guessing Bjorn Skovbo. I'm I'm sure I butchered that pronunciation, but was the offensive line worse than expected? Saying that Pat took way too many hits. What do you think? Was the offensive line worse than expected? Even again, noting that there was at least one injury there. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, we talked about the run game. I mean, they absolutely came out and, and, and set the tone, you know, at the line of scrimmage in the trenches in terms of, you know, uh, winning it uh, at the point of attack, allowing Clyde Edwards to layer some big holes to, to run through. And, and Jarek McKinnon um, had that 18 yard run later in the game. And, and then you, he mentions Pat taking too many hits. Well, Right off the bat, we talked about, you know, the, the blitzing being a, a prevalent theme of this game. Well, yeah, a, a lot of times they were sending more than the Chiefs had to, to protect. And Mahomes knows that, right? And and, and that was, kind of played into how good of a, a game he had. He was just letting these free rushers come at him and, and not phased at all and just throwing the ball as he gets nailed. And, and, and knowing that that's just kind of part of it. 
you know, he has to take that, you know, when there's that free rusher. And and that's the thing with Mahomes, man. He doesn't mind getting hit. Uh, you know, he he, he kind of, you know, he, he it, it gets him fired up. Um, and especially on that fourth touchdown pass when he's when he's showing the defender four after throwing the touchdown, getting nailed as he does it. Uh, yeah, Mahomes was 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 uh, was feeling himself, and and that showed it. And his willingness to take on a hit as he threw, not necessarily because of of, of anyone losing on the offensive line, but just because the the Cardinals were sending a lot of blitzes and and again sending more than the Chiefs had to block. So I will say though, PFF, I want to give some PFF stats. They did have Orlando Brown Jr. giving up five pressures, uh, one of them being a quarterback hit and the other being uh, the other four being hurries. They had Trey Smith actually giving up two hurries in his limited time. Allegretti came in and gave up a quarterback hit in a hurry. And then they actually uh, had Creed Humphrey getting two hurries. So uh, you look at all that, the only guys that didn't register a pressure were Andrew Wiley and Joe Tooney. So I think that's actually a, a, a pretty, uh, you know, it's a pretty good sign for Wiley not not giving up any pressure on the right side. Yeah, it's impressive for both of those guys. I think, you know, obviously Tooney is a machine, and so we just expect that. But uh, but to, to go through an entire game and not give up any pressure uh, is impressive, uh, especially when, the, the you know, the Chiefs obviously like to throw the ball. You know, you look at the the, the stats, and, and as you mentioned, I think this, this plays out. The Cardinals had six quarterback hits on Mahomes. It's the same number the Chiefs had uh, on Kyler Murray uh, on the defensive side. Of those six hits, two were Marcus Golden, who's one of their defensive ends. So he's uh, obviously those are, uh, you know, those are obviously offensive line wins. But the rest of them were linebackers, uh, which really just speaks to that. The, the fact that you just mentioned um, Mahomes was taking on blitzing linebackers all day long and, and yeah. uh, uh, calmly stepping up, taking the hit, making the throw. He was not sacked once. And yeah. again, the running backs averaged over five yards to carry. To me, that's a very successful day for the offensive line. Um, those two, those two figures alone, no, no sacks and five and a half yards uh, a carry uh, or more for the for the uh, running backs. To me, uh, pretty much seals the the deal that those guys did their job this week. Uh, they'll definitely have a tough tougher test against the Chargers, but for Week One, uh, I'm not concerned about how many hits uh, Mahomes took. Uh, those are. Those are uh, just a factor of, of getting blitzed and, and standing standing tall and, and making the throws. Yeah, and 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 you know it speaks to it when you there's a few plays, especially that 35 yard bomb to Kelsey, uh, where it was a play action, which helps the pocket you know uh, open up. But you know there were some good pockets, man, and Mahomes was maneuvering them very well. Um, you know, giving his offensive line uh, good angles to block. So yeah, no, it was a good day from Mahomes and the offensive line, just the overall pass protection. But uh, but stacks. I got a would you rather for you before we get to break. Um, and, and I think you're going to like it uh, as a, as a chiefs fan, uh, if you're watching Monday night football, you'd uh, you know, you, you know what this is about. So I'm asking you stags, you know, minute left minute, a minute, five seconds remaining in the game. You just got a big chunk play to get it to about fourth and five. Would you rather run a play, gain more yards with all three timeouts you have? Would you rather try to continue advancing the ball downfield or settle for a 46 or a 64 yard field goal to, to win the game uh, when you have all three timeouts and Russell Wilson as your quarterback that you just paid $265 <laughs> million to, which one would you rather do? I, I you know, I, it, it, it seems pretty straightforward, but uh, uh, apparently not for, for a guy like Denver Broncos head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, but we'll get to it on the other side.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Thanks for sticking with us. As we went to break, Ron threw out a would you rather. Really, I just think Ron's trying to throw shade at the Denver Broncos, which which is not, uh, uh, you know, it's not unwelcome in, in these parts. <laughs> but the would you rather, as I heard it, was would you rather uh, kick a long field goal uh, or go for it on fourth and five with all your timeouts and, and time left on the clock to maneuver. You know, if your quarterback is is Russell Wilson, yeah. If, if your quarterback's <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Uh, there, I don't know that I would – if I was the coach, I'd be tempted to never punt with Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback uh, because you just feel like you, you've got a better chance at, uh, uh, at Mahomes – completing that fourth down than, than not. So that, that was a unfortunate ending for Broncos fans. Um, and I saw a couple of people on Twitter pointing out that the, the head coach bandwagon, uh, you know, the, the people jumping off the Hackett bandwagon uh, at record breaking pace, just after that sequence of poor clock management, bad decision-making, you know, obviously you're just not aggressive, not uh not closing the deal and, and it led to an opening day loss for, for one of the division rivals. Really it opens up an opportunity for the chiefs, by the way, they can go into Thursday night's game. If they get a win against the chargers, they're guaranteed sole possession of first place and uh, a head start on the tiebreaker against the chargers. So uh, just adds to the importance of Thursday night's game and, and, and obviously any opportunity we have to clown the Denver Broncos uh, or anybody else in the division, uh, we're going to do that. Yeah, no, I, I I have never felt the amount of secondhand embarrassment I, I did um, last night when I saw Nathaniel Hackett, and, and he was trying to take the timeouts at the end of the game, you know, after after it was, you know, there's 10 seconds left. You're not going to win the game. The, the Seahawks have the, the time to run out the clock, but I think he just started panicking. Yeah, I, it was not a good uh, uh, first uh, game for the head coach. I think he's uh, – Going back to the whiteboard uh, in the situational football, I would say, because I, I, there's not a lot of justification for, for you know, wasting that much time, a minute, a minute, five seconds, you're settling for a 64-yard field goal. Man, I don't know. I would I would be calling for his head if I was a Broncos fan. Um, obviously, it's his first game, um, and, and, you know, he, he's going to get better. But that was a really lousy uh, performance, uh, and, and you're talking about against a team that's going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I uh, Broncos fans probably are, were not feeling too good when they woke up this morning. Well, Ron, how are you feeling after one week of legal gambling in the state of Kansas uh, and all of the prop bets that you threw out for us last week? Let's get to rambling, Ron, and see how you felt about last week's bets and, and what you have for this week. Well, uh, I, I I will say I, I let you I let the people down on on you know we just talked about that game I definitely thought the Broncos were gonna whoop up on Seattle so uh, you know apologies to the people for that one and and the other revenge game of the weekend was the Panthers uh, taking on the Browns Baker couldn't get it done for us so done with the revenge storylines we can't do the revenge storylines anymore <laughs> we we got to stick to what we know and that's just the the, the straight ahead 
you know, the, the, the good games, you know, the, the teams we know, the teams we like, you know, and, and I never bet on the Chiefs, so I'm not going to give you, you know, a Chiefs uh, bet maybe. Um, I will say the favorite by three and a half points. Uh, you know, I, that, that's pretty tough. I wish it was under that three, although it makes sense. You know, we're not going to be favored less than three points at home. But, um, you know, that's going to be a tough game, and, and, and I maybe wouldn't uh, guarantee that the Chiefs are going to win by more than a field goal. Um, but, you know, you look at the slate, you know, a, a team like the Saints taking on the Bucks at home. The Saints have Tom Brady's number in recent history. You know, the Bucks didn't necessarily look great against the Cowboys. It was more the Cowboys looked absolutely awful um, and obviously lost Dak Prescott towards the end of the game. Saints are plus three at home. I, you know, I, I might think about taking that. You know, they're going to keep that game close. I, I would definitely, I would definitely think so. Um, you know, you look at the other games. You know, I, I was on the Jags. You know, this week I wanted the, I thought the Jags were going to come into, and take you know Washington on it and give them a better game than they did. Washington, you know, kind of took it to them a little bit. You know, towards the end, but they're at home against the Colts uh, and they're plus four. You know, so you get some points with a home team. The Jaguars last time they saw the Colts, you know, ended their season in Week 18 last year. Um, and, you know, I think I do think that might play into it a little bit. The Jaguars with some motivation there um, to kind of keep that up. Um, besides that, though, you know, you, you see that the Broncos are, are minus 10 against the Texans. I'm not I'm staying away from that. No more. No more Broncos bets. Uh, and, and the Raiders are minus six at home against the Cardinals. I might take that. I think the Raiders, honestly, uh, you know, were, were you know, they, the Chargers beat them. But I, you know, I think the Raiders are going to be a pretty good team this year. And I think that was just a really good matchup in week one. So. Just some ideas, just some ideas to throw out for the week, the week two slate uh, with with no chief football on Sunday. We'll have plenty of time to, to kind of see what the rest of the NFL is doing. So just a few things to, to look forward to this weekend, fellas. What was the biggest winner you had from last week? Well, I, I definitely was on the Bills minus two and a half and, un, and and the team total or the total for the game under, I think it was 53 and a half. Uh, I called that. So I'll, I'll take the win on that one. Uh, knew the I, had a feeling the Rams offense maybe wouldn't match what the Bills offense was going to be able to do. Um, but I knew the Bills would, would handle them comfortably. So season opening, the, the season opener definitely uh, helped me out, gave me, got me a win to start out the season. You didn't bet the Jody Fortson touchdown. That's that appears. I know. Cool. That was, that was one that I would have bet if I were, uh, uh, if I, if I were gambling last week, uh, that would have been, that would have been a good prop bet and, and certainly paid off for those that, that did it. So um, Jody Fortson's going to be an under the radar uh, gambling winner and, and fantasy football sleeper. I, I think for the rest of the season, it's going to be fun to watch. Home market, man market, you name the market, I'm there. Black market? Which market? Stock market? Market movers. Let's start maybe taking a look uh, forward. I mean, I think we, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, a couple of those bets in, in the NFL. But when it comes to the Chiefs and Chargers and, and heading into week two, uh, let's talk market movers. Well, this is a, a, a series that I do every week. Uh, it'll be published uh, generally on Wednesdays uh, this year going forward. Uh, so by the time you listen to this, uh, this may be pending or, or posted. But uh, we always look at the bulls and the bears, uh, who, who we think are, are on the rise heading into the, the coming week. So not necessarily the same thing as winners and losers but, uh, looking back at the previous week, but market movers looking forward. So uh, with one exception, I, I am going to list uh, George Karloftis on my bullish list as somebody who I feel is on the rise going into week two. And I'm eating a little bit of crow, not a lot, but a little bit uh, based on the winners, losers list that I have to publish immediately after the games. Uh, Karloftis was one that I didn't notice a lot uh, on, the, on the original broadcast, the original watching of the game. 
but kind of going back and reviewing the work that he put in, had a pretty solid debut uh, within the confines of what he was asked to do on the defense. He certainly did his job, and he got a little more pressure uh, than I noticed on the first time around. Uh, This week, he'll go against a much tougher offensive line um, and a quarterback that can get the ball out a lot quicker. Uh, So there's no guarantees that he's going to get home for his first NFL sack against the Chargers. But it sure looks like Karloftis is is at least doing everything that we we would like to see him do. And he led all defenders in snap count last week, uh, which really says a lot for his ability to get on the field, stay on the field, uh, and continue uh, working throughout an entire game. So he's your starter. Uh, he's your full-time defensive end. They'll rotate everybody else around, but it seems like he is the guy going into the Chargers game. Yeah, I think we we, we maybe talked about that a little bit as the season was was coming. It is you know even if Karloftis isn't this you know dominant player or anything or this you know superstar you know first round pick right away, he's still probably going to be the best option in the Chiefs' edge rushing room. And I think you're seeing that come to fruition. And I and I do think he's going to continue to lead the snaps in the DN room. Um, just because of what he can do both against the run and the pass, his relentlessness, his motor. Um, yeah, I think it's smart to, to keep him as that, that top snap getter on the DN, of the, the DN. And guys trending down this week, um, keeping an eye on Justin Watson and his availability. He played a lot of snaps in week one, uh, had, didn't complete his, his lone target uh, in, in that first week, and then left a, late in the game with a chest injury. Keep an eye on Justin Watson this week to see, number one, if he even plays. Uh, and, and number two, what's his role on this offense? You know, we, we saw a lot from him in the preseason and a lot of trust between him and Mahomes, especially on some deep passes. Uh, he was not that involved, even though he was on the field a lot uh, in the first week. Uh, makes me wonder what, uh, what role he's going to play going forward, again, assuming he's healthy, as not ruling him out for the season by any means, but – just something to keep an eye on and, and how he's trending in his usage, not just his snap counts going forward. Yeah. Well, and if he does have to miss this week two game, uh, it, it only uh, opens up opportunity for sky more, um, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, give, you get more opportunity to more, maybe, you know, all of a sudden maybe he proves that he should be, you know, getting those clear wide receiver four snaps rather than maybe splitting them a little bit with Watson, which appeared to be the case in the week one game. So, I, I think Watson deserves to be, you know, in, in this category because if he does miss him, in, you know, any time, he may, you know, naturally just just start maybe losing those reps to Sky more as more gets more comfortable in the offense. Yeah. So Darius Fountain was an an oddity this week with the practice squad call up only to be a game day inactive. Right. If Watson misses extended time, then Fountain could, you know, find his role on the active roster for a longer period of time, uh, play some special teams maybe get in there and, and uh, mix it up as a blocker, which he, he can do some of. Um, but Sky Moore likely is more of a beneficiary from a production standpoint, uh, both at, on offense and as a primary uh, punt returner. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think Moore is the one they want to get the ball in his hands, right? I think Watson might be uh, you know, someone that Mahomes trusts more maybe right away, someone that's been in the NFL, knows kind of how it goes maybe a little more, but you know, as, as the more and more gets comfortable, again, I, I think the, the bigger the chances that he just outright, you know, takes those snaps from, from Justin Watson. And, and Watson, again, is, is kind of relegated to just a special teams only role like he was in Tampa Bay. But we'll see because I, I do think that chemistry in the preseason, you know, it, it wasn't nothing. I, I do think that means something and, and it, it may play out, you know, uh, down the road. Well, Ron, you had a chance to take a look forward at the Chiefs next opponent. 
What have you seen from the LA Chargers? Right. Yeah. No, short week. So I, I got to the opponent scout pretty quick this week. And so uh, by the time of recording, I'm already, I'm already, I've done my film research for it. Watch the whole Chargers Raiders game. You know, first of all, uh, you know, both teams, it, it, it was a good game and uh, both teams defenses were battling. Um, you know, it was, it was a, it was not an easy game to win. The Chargers pulled it out, but um, you know, you, you watch the Chargers and first of all, on offense, you know, I, I really think again with, with these rushing quarterbacks, you know, the Chiefs have to be careful with how they rush rush the passer again this week, and it's even it's even different um, with with Herbert. You know, Murray obviously is someone you don't want to get allow him to escape to the outside because of what he can do in the open field. Well, Herbert's a good runner too, man. But the real reason you don't want him to escape to the outside of the pocket is is it gives him that space that 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 you know ability to kind of wind up and crow hop and, and really put his, his his arm into a throw. Um, and you see that off of their play action passes as well which they leaned on a lot of play action in, in week one. And I think that is one thing, uh, you know, the Chiefs will have to be wary of it, it, it is kind of not falling too much of the play action, playing it safe, you know, linebackers, you know, maybe just, you know, it, hey, if it means you're not attacking the run as hard maybe as, uh, as you could, maybe it's, 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 it's better that way because you're not giving up the pass on the back end. Um, you know, you maybe be more cognizant of the pass. And so, yeah, all that to say, though, uh, yeah, Herbert, when he gets when he gets that crow hop going, when he gets that pocket to step up into and really deliver a ball down the field, man, he's got the arm where it really doesn't matter how tight a coverage you have, you know, where you're at, you know, uh, how much you're blanketing a receiver, um, you know, what his best pass of week one was a perfect example of that. And actually, it was similar to Mahomes' pass uh, to Kelsey, where, you know, it doesn't look like there's any sort of window and he just fits it right over the top of the linebacker chasing Kelsey. Well, it was it was like that, but it was actually like ten or twenty yards further downfield with the same sort of laser trajectory. Um, that's the kind of uh, arm Herbert has, and I, I really think the Chiefs need to to make a plan in the pass rush, make a plan with their defense to to kind of prevent him him from getting those runways to step up into and and, and launch a ball deep. You know, make him beat you. You know, like like the like oppose, opponents do to the Chiefs, make him beat you by you know dicing you up. You know, 10, 10, 10 12 play drives down the field. If that's how you lose, that's how you lose. But let's see if we can prevent maybe those, those big plays from happening down the field to guys like wide receiver, Mike Williams. Um, and then I think one way that can happen is, is, is athletic pass rushers like George Carlos, just like Mike Dana being relentless in the rush. You know, if it's a play action, you know, kind of understanding that he's going to climb to the top of the pocket, redirecting your rush path to cut him off and, and make things hard on him, you know, not give him a clean pocket. So on offense, especially that's, that's how they should attack it. It looks like they didn't do a lot on the ground. They didn't have a lot of success. They didn't uh, run the ball uh, with any any level of uh, authority, you could say. So Eckler had 36 yards. Kelly had 21. Sonny Michelle had had 12. So uh, they certainly is going to be a passing focused offense. And Eckler's more of a threat in the receiving game. So I think with Eckler as a dump off option. And really, with Keenan Allen likely missing the game with injury, yeah, uh, you're talking about offense that's going to be focused around uh, Eckler and Williams, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. No, uh, uh, Williams is the downfield threat, and, and Keenan Allen complements him really well. as kind of that guy that wins quickly, that that can you know create separation quickly and win on the short to intermediate routes. But not having him, they're going to have to rely on some other guys. And and honestly, I think one X factor for this game. Could be the the tight end they brought in this offseason. Not a, a a big name, a well known name, but Gerald Everett. Uh, he was with the Rams and Seahawks before. Uh, first of all, he wears number seven, so that's a, don't get tripped up. It's kind of a weird number to see from a tight end, but uh, 
No, I, I really think he, he, he caught an impressive touchdown from a Herbert in week one. I think he's going to be the guy to maybe fill in those those catches, uh, you know, in the middle of the field, uh, you know, in the short areas that Keenan Allen maybe would have before. And that's where, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they might try to exploit a mismatch if the Chiefs trust, let's say, you know, Nick Bolton to cover him one-on-one -on -one or Brian Cook coming down, you know, or I, it's, it'd likely be Justin Reed coming down and covering him from the safety position. But, you know, I, I'm curious to see if the Chiefs, uh, you know, or the Chargers, I should say, exploit, you know, that matchup at all, trying to catch the Chiefs off guard and maybe hammering that tight end game a little bit. Because Gerald Everett's a pretty good athlete, a pretty good player in space, and, and, I, and I do think he could create some problems if, if the Chiefs don't, uh, you know, if, if they don't give him the, uh, enough respect uh, when covering him. Hey, when you think of Chargers, you don't necessarily think of their tight end game uh, ever right. since Antonio Gates left, but uh, you've got uh, both, you know, Everett, who, again, scored a touchdown last week, uh, then you've got Trey McKitty, who's one of the, the best names in the NFL uh, <laughs> as well. Each of them had three catches last week. So there will be guys to watch. And, and yeah, sometimes uh, receiving tight ends can be matchup problems for, uh, for a team like the Chiefs. But when the Chiefs have the ball, the Chargers defense is interesting to me. Uh, a lot of big names. Uh, it sounds like there's a pretty good chance they're going to continue to be without their, uh, their big offseason addition, uh, their cornerback. But that pass rush looks like it's got some got some juice to it. A new addition, Khalil Mack, had three sacks in the, yeah. in the opening week. Uh, Joey Bosa had an, added another sack and a half, and Derwin James finally healthy from the safety position added another one. So, um, what did you see from their pass rush and from their defense as a whole? Yeah, you're right. They're talented, man. They got they got playmakers throughout their defense. Um, you know, Derwin James, obviously one of the best playmakers in the back end of any secondary um, in the league. Um, but yeah, it all starts up front, man. And, and you mentioned Khalil Mack. Joey Bosa is obviously still there. They also added nose tackle from the Rams this offseason, Sebastian Joseph Day, um, who's definitely an upgrade from what they had in the past uh, at their interior position, a guy that can be stout against the run and get after the quarterback pretty well. Um, did that for the Rams, uh, you know, alongside Aaron Donald. So I, I think one thing I, I'm really, you know, uh, worried about, you know, to be honest with you, with this game is is how Andrew Wiley holds up against uh, the, the kind of rushers that Bosa and Khalil Mack are. You know, we've seen Wiley have some success depending on the, the, the type of guy he's going against. But these aren't the kind of players, uh, you know, that that uh, breed Wiley to, to have a lot of success. You know, he's a finesse kind of tackle, man. He doesn't you know, necessarily deal as well with, with power, with bull rushing, you know, uh, the guys that specialize in that. And a guy like Khalil Mack is going to, you know, put his his huge frame, his huge uh, body, that physique, and just throw it into you and, and really bull rush and really test your anchor. And I think Orlando Brown Jr. on the other side is going to, it can match that, right? He has the the, the power, the, the anchor to match, you know, those bull rushes, those power moves. But I really think Wiley doesn't. And, and, they, and they switch back and forth, Mack and Bosa. They don't just stick on one side of the formation. But I think, you know, if the Chargers were smart, they'd maybe hammer, uh, you know, Mac on Wiley a little more and then Bosa on, you know, Bosa's more technical of the two, in my opinion. Um, and I think Bosa could maybe do a little, uh, do some work on Orlando Brown. So I think you're going to see a lot of chipping from the tight ends. You're going to see a lot of running backs helping in pass protection. But the problem with that is that that limits your, limits your pass concepts, especially, you know, if you, if you want to get a, a third and long going, right? If you really are worried about that pass rush, you know, you have to commit a, a tight end to, to, delay his route by, you know, chipping Bosa or chipping Mac and maybe even both of them. So it really limits what you can do on, on certain downs. And, and that's what could really mess up this game is those two being such a presence that it alters the Chiefs game plan. 
maybe we'll see the return of the Andy Reid screen game this week. Yeah, uh, as an opportunity for them to neutralize the pass rush a little bit and get those offensive linemen, especially those interior guys, out in space. Yeah, uh, you can you can really make some waves. I think with screens, uh, not only to the running backs. I think all three of the running backs could be effective on screens, but you could also uh, use those McCole Hardman uh, type tunnel screens and 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 maybe uh, get him loose in the secondary this week. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a good point. I think it's a great time to get the screen game going. I think you're going to have edge rushers that are hungry to sack Mahomes. You take advantage of that, um, you know, that penetration up the field and, and kind of shoot it by them, you know, ahead of them. Um, and the Andy loves to set those up. So I would definitely look out for that. Um, but I will say real quick, I, I, I should have mentioned it too, is, is something else I noticed is, man, the Chargers were using some three-man rushes, um, you know, some of the unique three-man rushes against the Raiders in week one. That's something that we saw the Chiefs, you know, Mahomes especially, not look too comfortable with against the Bengals in the AFC Championship. It makes me wonder if that's a wrinkle that the Chargers may throw in there on certain downs against the Chiefs and, and test Mahomes' patience again. Because we mentioned how well he did against the Blitz in Week 1. Well, let's see how well, you know, if he has that same sort of confidence, that same sort of swagger against seven, eight-man coverages that are that are really testing his ability to kind of sit in there and, and, and wait for stuff to open up or just take, you know, what the defense gives him in terms of scrambling. but. I don't think I don't think the Chargers are going to be sending you know five six man pressures as much as you saw the Cardinals. And maybe finally, from what we've been when you know calling for is is they'll be able to use the the R in the RPO a little more often <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in those situations, and and maybe they've got a little more confidence in their run game this year, and they can start to take advantage of those light boxes and and really punish teams. I mean, if you've got three running backs breaking off eighteen yard runs like they did in Week One. Uh, Maybe that gives them a little confidence going forward that, hey, we can still get big plays on the ground when, you know, when teams dare us to. Yeah, and uh, it's something we've preached all offseason, something we want to see the Chiefs be able to go to. I think you may even uh, – it'll be, it'll be telling if they activate Ronald Jones for this game. It'll, that'll tell you maybe what they think about how, the run, how important the run game is for this game. Um, because I think the only reason he's around is to to you know boost the run game, especially the power run game, and you know this kind of game could be the way to or could be that first you know way to take advantage of of that skill set. Um, so yeah, if 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 uh, Jones is healthy going into or Jones is active, I should say going into Thursday's game, I, I think that would signal maybe some uh, some crown uh, pound and ground football maybe from the Chiefs more than uh, you saw Week One. Well, I, we pre, we tried to predict the inactives going into week one. I, I don't know that we're going to do that this week, but I, I think I'm going to predict that Jones continues to be inactive, at least for now. Uh, I feel like Andy Reid in the past has gone with a hot hand a little bit at running back. Uh, and, and frankly, all three running backs look pretty good in week one. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a reason to to switch that up uh, just yet. Um, maybe Ronald Jones is a, is a later in the season or, a, or an insurance policy still like we thought. I also noticed that the the Chargers defense uh, had some success against uh, Derek Carr. Um, three interceptions um, across their secondary. Um, what what were they throwing at Derek Carr that he wasn't able to handle there? Yeah, no, the secondary has some playmakers. You know, I mentioned James already, but a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. has, has stepped up as a starting cornerback for them. They have, uh, you know, they brought in Kyle Van Noy, the, the former Patriots linebacker that Chiefs fans are, are, are probably aware of for his performances against the Chiefs in the past. Um, his versatility in the back, uh, you, know, as, as, you know, as a coverage defender in those short zones, manning up a running back out of the backfield, but then also being a blitzer, you know, that throws some confusion in, in the way of, of quarterbacks 
Um, but yeah, I, I really think it's it's the Chargers. Uh, you know, they're, they're multiple in the back end. You know, they, they don't just do one thing the entire game. They're going to make Mahomes think about it. They're going to make Mahomes, you know, hesitate maybe sometimes in the way they cover the receivers. And and so, yeah, it'll just be important, you know, for Mahomes and, and the pass game to, you know, to not force anything, right? Because the, the Chargers defense has playmakers that can take advantage of it. You know, again, I, I, I think we'll see maybe a little harder time getting to Kelsey this week, uh, you know, uh, trying to squeeze that in because I think Derwin James will, will be a lot better a matchup and they were using James one-on-one with Darren Waller uh, you know in, in situations in week one so that that's one thing I think Derwin James will make it tougher to get to Kelsey this week and so I, I am looking to see if or you know hoping to see that Mahomes doesn't force anything you know doesn't try to to you know for, trust his other receivers maybe more this week because I think he'll have to more than he did in week one where the Cardinals again were just given Kelsey anything he wanted off the line, which was not a smart game plan, uh, in my opinion. So what's the weak link on their defense? If they've got uh, great pass rushers and they've got a a great secondary um, or at least some great pieces of of a secondary, uh, is is it their linebackers? Is there some some opportunity there to exploit? Yeah, I would would definitely say so. Um, They had a kind of an odd rotation of of three guys in week one um, using – Kenneth Murray, the first round pick from a few years ago, and then Drew Tranquil um, at times. But then again, I mentioned Kyle Van Noy coming in as well. Um, it, it seemed like he was playing more in the, the early downs, the rundowns, um, but then also as a situational pass rusher. Um, but yeah, I, I, Kenneth, guys like Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil are absolutely guys that can, can be exploited by either running backs or tight ends um, in the pass game if they, if they are chosen to be covering one-on-one um, against one of those kind of players for the Chiefs. Tranquil did have an impressive interception, um, you know, dropping into the, the Tampa 2. Um, you know, that middle zone um, and, and kind of cutting off a seam route. But it was an underthrown ball by Carr, too. So I, I think the Chiefs should definitely target those guys in pass coverage, especially on those quick passes to a guy like Edward Tillier or Jarek McKinnon, if they are covered by, again, Tranquil or Kenneth Murray, even Van Noy, too. You know, Van Noy is a playmaker, but I don't know if he's going to be he, – he's an older guy, and I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up, you know, uh, in space with, with guys like Edward Tillier, Jarek McKinnon. And just, you know, even a guy like Noah Gray, if he gets matched up one-on-one, I think Gray could maybe exploit some of those linebacker uh, uh, matchups as well. It also looks like they had a little success with Devontae Adams last week. Uh, him in his Raiders debut, 10 catches for 141 and a touchdown, making fantasy football owners happy. Um, seems like there might be some opportunities down the field for for Juju Smith-Schuster. And, and maybe, uh, as we talked about, maybe Sky Moore, this is the week that he gets involved as well yeah no and and again i it depends on if if teams are going to do what i what i kind of envisioned maybe happening more this year was was paying more attention to kelsey right putting derwin james but also maybe having some safety attention on kelsey uh yeah because i i do think guys like juju smith schuster like mark lizaldo scantling like sky Moore, even can take advantage of the auxiliary pieces of the secondary you know the cornerback michael davis has been there for a while but you know he, he's he's nothing um you know to to be feared about or to be to be fearful of, I should say. And then they're, they're, you know, they do have the other slot corner, Bryce Callahan, um, you know, a decent player in the, in the nickel, but all that to say is, is yeah, I, I think the chiefs secondary weapons have a chance to, to take advantage. If, you know, a, a guy like Kelsey is more blanketed this week because the chargers defense knows this chief's offense, right? They know kind of maybe how they need to go about defending it. And again, I really think it starts, if I was an opposing defense, I'd start with making it hard on Mahomes and Kelsey to get together. Fair enough. Well, let's close out with one more question from Eight You Heard and on Twitter. Who can stop us? Who's going to stop this Chiefs team this year based on how they looked in week one? It'll be themselves. 
uh, it'll it'll be themselves you know the inexperience you know uh, uh you know in some places the rookies that we're relying on you know hey the cardinals didn't put up a great fight um there's a lot better teams in the nfl that the chiefs have on the schedule and it's not going to always look that easy especially when the the you know the the wear and tear of the season maybe comes on later in the year so you know i i think i think it, as long as the chiefs are playing their a game as long as mahomes is playing their a game I don't think anyone can stop them, but it's going to be natural, right? And I, and I do think we'll see maybe, you know, we'll see some losses where, you know, the the guys that, you know, the the, the younger guys, maybe some of the newer faces, you know, maybe just didn't step up as much as, as you know, we'd like them to. But, they you know, it, it, it's not going to be a perfect season. So we got to expect that. You bet. As, as we talk about the story of this Chiefs season unfolding week after week, it's not all going to be ups. There's going to have to be some ups and downs in order for this to be a, a good story, hopefully one that ends in another championship uh, but I, I think it is fair to say that um, there's no reason, if the Chiefs play to their potential, uh, that this isn't going to be a, a, a phenomenal season, a phenomenal story. Uh, thank you guys for, for listening, for tuning into all the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Uh, I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. Uh, this is the Out of Structure Podcast. Make sure you rate and review. Check out uh, Ron's work uh, and ours on arrowheadpride.com. Uh, listen and, and review the other podcasts as well as we look forward to this week two matchup a, a monster divisional game on thursday night uh, this is the out of structure podcast again I appreciate you being here and we'll talk to you next week